I hope you guys like that last story out there. It is nothing compared to what we're going to be talking about today. It is absolutely nothing compared to what we're going to be talking about. Oof. I will say once this guy was arrested and what came out was was unreal. This book, it was intense to, to read. It was just, it was very entertaining. It started out pretty slow because I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his crimes. And it started off like I was born here, yada, yada, yada. But then it started real, real picking up and it's really good also if you're like a criminal profiler and you're trying to understand why someone like Jeffrey Dahmer did what he did and this guy has the same mindset as a lot of these serial killers. I'm just kind of disappointed that they that they didn't let, let the authorities kind of take a look at Jeffrey Dahmer's brain. What do you mean? To see if there were any differences in it. Nico, he wasn't born in a bad family. It was upper middle class. Pretty decent family. Family. Nothing special, but nothing worth noting. There was no brain injuries. So within this book, he tries to understand how he became so obsessed with death. This one's for Taylor. Oh, good Lord. Oh, God. What the fudge is this? Oh, it looks like whiskey. I'm okay with that. No, this does not smell right. It doesn't smell how it looks. Uh, is oh, this for Taylor? God. Taylor, yes. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Oh, God. I will say I do have requests uh, coming up, so I'm very excited that I will have those ready for next week. We will have specific ones. Is this mixed? It is. Ooh, okay. Last one was mixed and it was really good. Yeah, but this is not going to be good. This smells like vodka and something. Cheers. Cheers. This vodka and something. Oh, good lordy. I liked that. What was it? Um, that was raspberry vodka and orange liqueur. What did I Don't have? Don't be a pee, John. I'm not a pee. I get pee. No, I'm just kidding. Little pee. Well, this story has fucked me up inside. You need I, to. I will tell you. I want to. This I is just, why Johnny Lama is a good thing. So that you don't. <laughs> well, I mean, you are doing a lot of satanic panic stuff this this week. You said. Let me preface this episode right off the bat. The murder that happened that we just talked about was in 1994. Three years earlier, 1991, Bill was getting it under the desk. Bill Clinton. 1991. Hell. 1991. Nico Klaus had an impulse. Now, this is a very impulsive person. But his impulse... Did he have ADHD? His impulse this one day became so obsessive. And that impulse was the following, quote, I had to mutilate a corpse before nightfall, end quote. So that's where we're starting, just to kind of break the bread. That's where... (laughs) God! You've ruined things for me. Wait, wait. That was that's where we're beginning. That's where he started. Was just like I need to do this now, or was this built up over a course of we're, time? Yeah, we're gonna because go back to his. We're gonna go back to when he was, you know, a kid. But 1991. I wanted to start with that. His obsessive thought that he has to mutilate a corpse corpse before nightfall. So doing that, he would have to go to a cemetery. I'm just. I'm trying to think of how to respond to that. I guess I don't have to respond to everything. Well, you could respond by helping Nicole read some of the quotes. Okay. Oh, y'all no. heard it. Y'all heard don't, it. Don't don't subject yourself to that, Jen. <laughs> I already, I can just, I 
looked at the page don't and there was a word that just jumped out at me and I was like, that's what he wants gender read. It's fine. I don't mind reading them because I can I can do the French accent and it's fine. And True. I just, just kind of disassociate now when it comes to reading things. So it just doesn't really matter. Like if you compare now to episode four with Dennis. We've come so far. Whatever his last name was. I can't think of at the moment. Nielsen? Mil- Mil- Milton. Milton. Dennis Milton. No, Dennis <laughs> Nelson. Um, like there's just, you know, honestly, totally different person. That was five years ago. I think I'm a worse person. <laughs> than I, was. I didn't say better or worse. I just said different. Let's let's be fair. All right. So he wanted to behead a corpse and place it in front of the Joan of Arc statue at Notre Dame Cathedral. So he had this obsessive thought, which a lot of his life is obsessive, impulsive. I've got to mutilate a corpse before nightfall. I'm going to take the head. I'm going to put it in my knapsack, in my backpack. I'm going to go to the Joan of Arc statue at Notre Dame Cathedral, and I'm going to place this severed corpse head on top of Joan of Arc's head at the cathedral, which would be fucking epic. <laughs> yeah, but did he think that corpse heads work like masks? Like, you can't just, like, there's there's meat and bones and stuff in there that you can't just or put on a on, statue. Put on top. Yeah. He was going to try to sit it on top, maybe. Early 1991, he sneaks into the Passy Cemetery. He jumps over the fence. This is at night. And as we're going to get into later, he is very familiar with cemeteries, how to break into cemeteries, how to, for instance, a lot of the mausoleums, which I, I've never been in one, but apparently in France, especially where he was haunting these mausoleums, if I'm saying that right. Mausoleums. The, these mausoleums, they're like one and two stories. They have photo, like artist painted photos in them. They're usually locked for decades and they're gorgeous inside, you know, spiral staircases and all of this stuff. I've never seen anything like it. So this story was definitely new to me, but he knew how to break into those locks. He trained himself to be a, a lock picker, especially with those old tumbler locks. So if someone died that was you know, like Jim Morrison, whatever, obviously he's in a mausoleum, not in some just grave. But so he would have this old tumbler lock. And usually since they never get open, they get all rusted and, and stuff like that. So this guy, Nico, would sit there for hours and practice trying to break into these these uh, mausoleums. Sorry if I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you were close that time. close, yeah. So at this time, he broke into the Passy Cemetery. Now, this is just one event, a 1991 event that I'm starting with, completely random. But he wanted to behead a corpse, place it on the Joan of Arc statue in Notre Dame, and he gets in this, this mausoleum. He breaks in, and everything's going as planned. No one's around. These cemeteries do have a night watchman. They have their own little tower. But as you just saw in the Google Earth, these things are huge, and no one's going to be there at night. They close at, you know, whatever, nine at nine at night. So I doubt they even do checks. I mean, if you were a security guard at a, a grave would, at a cemetery, would you like walk around at night and check the fucking like? I, I mean, would, like not that hard. I would probably just walk around. Yeah, but you're walking if around. There's something to see. There's something to see. A bunch of dead people. Like a lot of people would be. I mean, like, they're like in the ground though. So their bodies are in the ground, but yeah. their spirits walk the earth. Do so, we have to go over the ghosts again? He breaks into this random. We don't know the victim's name. You know, just one of many that he's going to interact with. He bra- 
breaks into this uh, crypt and is this woman of unknown origin, France woman who died whenever ago, he doesn't even know. And he goes to behead this corpse. So he pulls back as he was talking in his book. They have almost like a a shroud over him, like a veil or something. He pulls that back and and I'm, I'm doing the accelerated version. In the book, he talks about it takes hours. You have to use a crowbar to break open the the big stone slab. You got to move that heavy ass thing by yourself. You know, try not to make a noise by just dropping it. Then you get into the casket and usually you have a screwdriver because a lot a lot of the caskets there were screwed in like all around the casket, which takes about an hour to screw all these things in the casket lid. And then you got to break open that lid. And then there's like some stuff on top of the body or whatever. This is a process. It is a process. What I'm trying to say. Somebody's got to be really damn determined. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get out. I mean, he spent hours doing this and he finally gets to the woman who has been deceased for a year. Let's say her body is almost shriveled away. She's still got the skin just kind of melted to her. Mm. And Mm-mm. he looks in his backpack. He opens his backpack and he goes and grabs the saw. However, on this particular night, on this one event that I started with, he has forgotten to pack his saw with him. And he's sitting there. It's dark, you know, and he's got a little flashlight, but he's just so mad at himself. He just spent six hours getting into this place, opening up the grip, getting the lid off, the big slab, and unscrewing the lid. Finally looks in his bag, doesn't even have a saw, which reminds me a lot of Ed Gein, because Ed Gein never took a saw. You remember what he did? He just kind of wiggled it back and forth until it snapped off. (laughs) Oh, Eddie. Anyway, he is so upset this one night, so upset at himself leaving this saw behind that he takes the screwdriver that he has just used to open this random cadaver's crypt and her coffin, and he starts stabbing this woman's head. Now, obviously, this is a corpse, so he's just stabbing the head because he's mad at himself, just piercing the head, whatever remains. Obviously, this was just to get out his anger, his rage at himself. Okay. Because he knows that his mission this night will not be accomplished. So he just ravages this woman's face, this corpse's face with a screwdriver. Fuck! He shuts the door after he packs all his stuff up and he jumps back over the fence and he's just fucking mad. Fuck! Because now he knows he's got to wait to another time, usually when it's raining, because he knows the crypt keeper isn't going to come out looking if Mm. it's raining. Mm -hmm. He's got to wait. It would be three months, three months later. This is still in 1991. Three months later, three years before he murdered the guy on the first episode. Three months later, he goes back, jumps over again. Obviously, he left everything kind of the cat. I mean, no one's going to look at the grave. No one's been in there for forever, right? I mean, there's no family looking. I mean, you know what? I'm saying. Anyway, he goes back in there. Everything's like he left it. And it was three months later. So 90 days. Again, Nicole was reading from the book. The book is an autobiography called The Gospel of Blood. It is by Nico Klausch, The Crimes and Trial of the Vampire of Paris in His Own Words. What awaited me was not that romantic. The body was still covered with the shroud that I had pierced with dozens of screwdriver blows, but it was now withering with a myriad of black dots that crawled and buzzed 
buzzed in all directions. In early spring, flies had laid eggs that had proliferated in the crypt. I felt sick and vomited the leftovers of my breakfast at the side of the coffin. He pulls back the shroud after he's three months ago, pierced all these holes in the face. He pulls it back and, and these little black holes were moving like, like little electrons just moving quickly. And then he notices he understands what he's looking at is it's flies and bug larvae that have nested in these screwdriver wounds. And now they're buzzing because, you know, it's the bugs in there. Yes, do not seem fucking grossed out. No, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm like still reeling from the baguette and blood thing. So, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, this is not a Dennis Nielsen type reaction. I'm sorry. It's. it's <laughs> It is what it is at this point. Let me go over this guy's background. What I'm going to tell you tonight and what Jen's going to read specifically will make you cringe and be like, who the fuck would write that? This is the most blunt writer ever. Like if you were to write something, your deepest, darkest secrets, not even in a journal, just like no one would ever fucking know or see what you're writing. Just the grossest shit you could think of that you do. It's just like he doesn't care. I'm going to go through his background childhood. We're going to see how he became such fascinated with death and death itself and the decaying process and the, the you know, the blood drinkage. Anyway, his father, Mikhail, was a chemical engineer. Quote, he had a black beard and a sunken face. The yellowed photos show him emaciated, his body bruised with dysentery. Mm. However, the father was really smart. He became a banker and a traveler, but he was sent all over the world. Now, this is very important. You don't know this guy yet, but you're going to really question why this guy is so effed in the head. This guy is probably just as bad as Dahmer in his mindset. But the fact that the father went all over the world and, you know, to, to places like in Sudan and, and South America, these little tribes and picked up just these weird, the weirdest things. He had a fascination with the occult and weird rituals. He brought back all these statues and all these books and his son, Nico, at a young age, I'm talking about four or five years old would sit there and he would just be enthralled at all these weird practices like like the South Sea cannibalism cases and stuff like that. He was just enthralled at a very young age. It just it just it took him took him completely. His mother was a secretary, Claudine, quote, she had short hair, a beautiful face. She was also a chronic depressive. Now, Nico, as we're going to talk about, is a sociopath, 100 percent a sociopath and saying which he doesn't give a shit about about his parents whatsoever. He's watching his parents waste away. Doesn't give a shit. He's a sociopath. I rejected all of the humanity he tried to instill in me. As for her, she never tried to teach me anything. Nothing at all. When he was six years old, his father talked to him about a very important subject. Not the birds and the bees, but about cannibalism. He was interested in cannibalism. At six years old, Nico saw photos of his father who took a tourist trip when he was out of the country in Thailand. Thailand. And this place is still there. It's called the Thailand Hell Horror Park. It is in Wat Sin Suk. It is a park with statues that show mutilations, that show rituals. One, of, This is one of those travel websites here. And I'll put this on talkmire.com. This so is, is very, it like a theme park where you have rides and stuff? Or is it? It's not rides. It's just like statues. You see him. Th this guy's beheaded. You know, there's his head right there. You see his head. Now, this is a real park. And he was so interested in this. 
and he would see all these photos and his father like this one right here the the mother is on the ground and a baby just came out of her and now the baby is crawling up the mother right and just weird stuff right I where mean, th- is this this is in thailand here's one right here of people being boiled alive if you're ever in thailand be sure to check it out so at six years old he's looking through all this stuff you know could you imagine being the artist for these statues yeah. you gotta question. be fucked up in the head like but 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 uh, do you though because it's it's almost like if a, if a historical society came to you and said hey i know that you are more than capable of creating this piece of art that displays what had happened this is the this is this is the emotion that we're going for create this could you imagine that could nope. you imagine that like what is the closest thing that we have in america to that like maybe the mm. the museum on the holocaust in in the in california i don't know in, Amer- like, in america yeah i mean uh, like like we don't uh, in we america have, like, we don't sell well there's we don't, some weird shit though actually there is weird shit but i feel like we don't have institutions like that that really sell uh, and i'm not saying it's a good thing to I celebrate th- think but like to, to, over here yeah we are i feel like we are becoming soft but like but congress brandon says that's awesome congress. uh wolfie says there is a medieval torture museum in la yeah i'm sure that's got some weird shit there's definitely some weird museums here i mean you know ripley's but like yeah there's some weird weird ass stuff on display though there's a true crime museum oh, i know i do want to go because to that. they have uh like ted bundy's bug you oh know, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 there's some weird stuff around quote i was barely six years old when my father talked to me about cannibalism end quote i feel like that's really young to bring the subject of cannibalism up <laughs> the scenes photographed by my father passed before my eyes bodies torn to pieces by dogs cooked in giant pots cut up with the saw disemboweled enculated disfigured i was not afraid open-mouthed and speechless i watched until the end and felt a little flame being born in me which never ceased to grow he says quote he imagined the suffering felt by these damned i became obsessed with it around this time his mother ran away with a younger man a pierre somebody and his father was literally wasting away alcohol cigarettes wasting away not eating just wasting away he would see his father who was an executive for the bank his high school year he was a loner now he's not a bad looking dude you saw him he's a good looking dude yeah i thought he might be a model in the grunge era yeah i mean he had the whole the whole black wearing and the whole pouty face pouty face kind of thing but i mean he was a good dude but he was alone i don't know about that yeah i would have to argue with that but i mean growing up you might not know did i say good dude i didn't yeah yeah i mean good looking dude Uh, yeah you're you that was a very important (laughs) yeah those are two different things But during his first years, he started developing these obsessive thoughts that, and he would say this, and I believe he has borderline personality disorder because I also kind of have thoughts, but not of this nature. They're called intrusive thoughts that just, oh, they're always there. So when I go out, I always play these scenarios about, you know, getting shot and stuff like that, war stuff. But intrusive thoughts don't necessarily have to be about that. They're just ones that are like... 
that keep you can't bothering control. you. Yeah. He had these intrusive thoughts at 12 years old. He's in grade school having intrusive fantasies about murdering his classmates. He became obsessed with it. He started looking it up in libraries. He found true crime and he said, quote, I didn't want to understand the motives of the killers. I wanted to learn their techniques. I imagined myself hiding a long knife in my satchel, then following the few kids I hated the most to the toilet to bleed them over the toilet. Yeah, those, that's different. Yikes. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It gets more fucked up, so. Undoubtedly. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, like, sometimes hearing these quotes makes me feel, like, a little bit better about myself. (laughs) I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) That's fucked up. It is fucked up. I'm sorry, but it's true. During high school, he started developing fantasies about, about murdering classmates. He was 12 years old at this time. The book is good because you can kind of see what uh, people like Dylan, uh, what's his name, Piebald, was going through the the Columbine shooter. Oh, I didn't know his name. In fact, doing a direct link to this story, Nico did or was tasked and did help develop the Columbine report for the U.S. government. Hmm. After it happened. Yeah, after it happened. Yeah. Yeah, so after it happened. They they interviewed him to try to see why the fuck this would happen. Interesting. Interesting. Because they are a lot alike. Girls would talk to him in high school. They would, I mean, they thought he was cute. Yeah, he wasn't a bad looking guy. Like I said, I thought he was a model. When he got some age on him, he started hitting the gym and he was very athletic. The girls, the emo girls especially, would- Emo girls. Emo wasn't quite a thing in the 90s, but go ahead. The girls would talk to him, try to start a conversation they would be awkward but they would try because they wanted even though he was such a kind of a loner and weird they they were really attracted to him but he would always steer the conversations to what he likes and at this time it was quote self-injury funerary art or fetus collections of the mason's effort veterinary school museum end quote obviously that kind of turned the girls off a little bit Uh, yeah i would say but he does very good in the department of having sex with females. A lot of girls, teenage years, he's not, I mean, he he goes through a lot of them, but like a lot of people like him, he can't stay erect if he's not, you know, choking someone to death or something. If his it, missionary doesn't work for this guy, I'm just going to say, mm. you know, we are not on the same level. No, no. Yeah. So now has anybody out there seen American Psycho or read the book by Brent Ellis? We have seen the movie. I have not. With Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. The premise varies in simplistic terms. This Wall Street broker, Christian Bell, he is a uh, successful, he is in New York, Manhattan, I believe, and he is a psychopath. And this was really when the term psychopath was 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 really taking root. Yeah, in I, the 90s, I feel like psychopath was like a vocab word. So American Psycho, the book was written, it was like the first book written based on this term psychopath. Psychopathy, which was, I think it was, that term was like invented in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy, like like a lot of horror writers, they take what's in popular culture and they and they kind of make a novel about it. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Patrick Bateman, who, who was Christian Bell, is a successful stockbroker, Wall Street broker, whatever. And he is a complete psychopath. Mm-hmm. So he talks about this one thing that's very important with psychopaths. If, if you're a psychopath, 
you know what this is. It is called a mask of sanity. Mm. That is what Brent Ellis talks about. That is what Nico Klaus had to learn when he was very young as a psychopath, sociopath. The mask of sanity is the mask that you put on when you're in public. Mm. Let's say you're at a funeral and you're... I would say that applies more to sociopaths and psychopaths. Let's say you're at a funeral and your, your mom dies or your dad dies or somebody very close to you. Right. You look left, right, your cousins, your aunt and uncle, they're bawling. Oh, God, no. But you're a psychopath, sociopath. You don't feel that empathy. You don't give a fuck that they're dead right there. You look at their body all day. You don't care. You don't care. But you have to put on this mask of sanity. You have to pretend to to go along with the crowd. That you feel emotion. You have to pretend you feel emotion. That's where the mask of sanity is. You have to fake it. And psychopaths have to fake it all the time. And they learn that at a very young age. And and being a psychopath, that's not a bad thing. It's something I, you know, maybe you're born with, I, I guess. I guess you're born with it. You can't help it. And in fact, a lot of times it's, it's better because those are the successful bankers or whatever. But you have to learn that you have to care and show empathy when other people do or they'll look at you like, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why are you not crying? Why don't why don't you care? And what are you some kind of fucking psychopath? Well, yes. You know, mm-hmm. mm. did I go way too far in that? I'm, no. I'm a little drunk. No, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, you're good. He was a loner that wore all black. Like I said, one of the like things Johnny Cash, one of the things that got him in the serial killer culture, which he knows a lot about. He knows a lot of the cases that we've covered, which is great that we're doing this now because reading this book, if we first started, we wouldn't know who he's talking about, but he talks about a lot of these guys. A magazine he found in his bathroom trash can when his uncle was staying at the house was this magazine right here. This is the the exact magazine. Took me a while to find the exact one, but this one is from when he was 12 years old. The magazine's called Photo. It is not true crime, but it's kind of like a gossip column. It's a French kind of playboy that also does uh, like National Enquiry type of shit. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, this magazine, this specific one right here, and I know you can't read it down there, it's all in French, but it says there's a, a an important interview, a an exclusive interview. And in fact, when this magazine came out, this specific one, it was banned. So this one that he found in his trash can was bought by his own uncle who probably paid a pretty hefty price for it. But anyway, this magazine featured this guy. If you want to try to remember who this guy is in the magazine, I see a Sagawa. He is the celebrity Japanese cannibal. He was a cannibal. I mean, we, we covered that story. I can't remember what episode, but it was gruesome. Yeah. It was terrible. And not only that, but he, he got out of prison and he made a bunch of money. Yeah. He became a celebrity. And this is him sitting here with his balls tucked behind his butthole, you know, with a fork and knife in his hand. A little odd. Yep. I mean... I was wondering if that's what I was seeing. Thanks for confirming. Yeah, no, I I thought that's. I mean, like this, uh, that that photo sold for how much? I'm sure it sold for a lot. But. Well, the the magazine got pulled as off the shelf as soon as it was released. Hmm. This was the December 1985 magazine. It talked about a quote crazy love. I spent a good half an hour looking at these granular pictures to the point where my uncle ended up knocking on the toilet door to ask me if I was okay. My excitement was dizzying. The student's remains were shown from every angle. She was cut 
at random as if sadistic sculptor had beaten her with a chisel. Her head was separated from the trunk. Oh, I got a heart on. Oh, no. That right there is what I wanted to bridge this story with. That last. Can you read that just last line again? I got a hotter on. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate it. Did you I, say I'm hot on? Hard on. Hard. That's I, the Boston accent. I'm sorry. You know, some you can't. You can take the bo- the girl out of Boston, but you can't take the Boston out of the girl. You got a hot on. Yeah, but you can put some Southern in her. I'm so okay. Some hold on. Southern. I got a hard on. I got a. There you go. Girl, you're making my me get a hard on. Me? I hope. Oh not. my God! Keep going. You sure you got a pretty mouth? <laughs> Just don't tell grandma we're doing this. All right, Jimmy Bob, I won't tell her nothing. He started getting into role-playing games like D&D. Oh, D&D is a role-playing game? Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. He started getting into Dungeons & Dragons, which is a role-playing game, and also The Call of Cthulhu. He became a dungeon master, became obsessed with horror movies, vampires, and etc. He started to replay a scene from a Zombie 2 movie. And we've done killers like this before, but they just get obsessed with these horror scenes. He started to play a scene from Zombie 2 on a loop. A blonde girl in this movie gets her eyeball pierced very eyeball? S- very slowly by a splinter. Oh, no, I don't like that. I really... I, oh. It's not real life, Jen. I, I don't care. Like, the things like that, that just really listen, creep me just out listen. eyeballs. This, and- this is personality. This is personality explained. This movie. The splinter would go into the eyeball. He started to imagine his favorite porn actress, a Marilyn Jess, as the girl in the scene. My erections became stronger still. I ejaculated as the aqueous humor escaped her punctured eye. So he started ejaculating. So when you're a man or a woman, you start masturbating the first time, you're like, oh, she got a nice tushy, nice boobies. Ooh, ooh, I wonder what her vagina looks like. This guy is thinking about and watching horror movies like Hellraiser and Zombie 2 where they're sticking this needle through someone's eye and he's just oh god fuck just getting off (laughs) thanks for that quote other very precise scenes from horror films provoked in me the same orgasmic reactions in Tenebrae by Dario Argento if if, can you read that one I don't want to read that it's terrible I do want to say real quick that Italy is is renowned for their horror films oh Oh, yeah they've always been renowned for it so a lot of the films that weren't available in France he would have to get on these forums to get access to but Italy is like the thing and and a lot of you know it's weird also talking about the black metal because it kind of goes along with the story a lot of the black metal and death metal bands come from Sweden which Sweden if you look up is one of the happiest countries of the world yeah and Denmark and they have these horrible not horrible like in bad music but just this you know despicable bands that talk about just mutilation and murder and you know rape other very precise scenes from horror films provoked in me the same orgasmic reactions in tenebrae by dario argento a woman had her arm amputated with an axe and an endless squirt of blood splashed her blouse and white walls of her house i flooded my handkerchief with cum <laughs> thank you for reading that so you see that he is well he did call he was like i he's just like i'm gonna call it now he's gonna put his dick in something she said that like 30 minutes ago no even worse we're, we're she goes i hate you <laughs> 
we're getting down to, it's getting even worse. And how? And can't in the movie Cannibal Holocaust, a mud covered savage rapes a woman with an oval stone. Quote from Nico Klaus: I ejaculated into my palm. In dude is fucking gross. In Tinto Brass's Caligula, a decapitating machine cuts the heads off prisoners buried up to their necks with its blades. Quote: I sprayed my thighs and my stomach with sperm. Dear God, oh. thank you for reading that at least. I don't know. I don't like that. I do not like that. <laughs> oh, Brandon has an interesting fact about that movie. Cannibal Holocaust was a movie that caused a court system to charge them with murder because they couldn't believe it was fake. Oh, shit. And they proved Dang. it was all fake. I Did you see That's that? That's crazy. I, I, did you see that movie? I've heard it before. No. But I've never watched it. So a cannibal, cannibal Holocaust is a movie, but it's not based on the Holocaust of 1940s or World War II. It's based on like a Holocaust of cannibals. Are they killing the cannibals? Or the cannibals killing people or eating. I'm. Has anyone out there seen the movie Phantasm? Oh, you mentioned this last night before I fell asleep. If you have, let me know. It's a great movie. It's it's kind of a. Uh, I think you watch it every October. It's a horror movie, but it. Uh, let, let me just look up the uh, synopsis of it real quick without giving anything away. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. But the reason I'm saying that is because it's really important with this story. One of the main characters, the the, the villain, I guess, is a an undertaker. He is real scary looking. He's huge. This is him right here. I don't know if you remember this movie. It's really hard to... F- I do remember. It's one of your favorites, right? Phantasm? It's, yeah, my, me yeah. and my brother used to watch it all the time. This is yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. right here. This is the undertaker. Now, the, the reason this is important and this guy specifically, it's a really freaky movie. It it has otherworldly aspects to it, like other dimensions. And I, I can't even really remember the premise, but this undertaker he is harvest harvesting souls or something like that for demons in the underworld something to that effect but anyway this character right here the undertaker had a very profound effect on nico as a young teenager very profound effect which is why you're going to see he wanted he desired to work in a morgue because who wants to work in a morgue like what what teenager says to themselves oh i really want i really i i have to work with dead bodies. Yeah, not for me. Dead bodies freak me out, actually. Like a like a lot. Like I'm very I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are very uncomfortable with death, but you know, I think a lot of people kind of get used to going to wakes and funerals. And I don't know if it was because my first experience with wakes and funerals was not until I was in high school, really. Um, but it always made me just super fucking uncomfortable. Was seeing a dead body? Yeah. Like at a wake, open casket type thing like it just really really made me uncomfortable anytime I, I don't know it just like really weirds me out that that is I don't know part of like culture like yeah observing a dead body I don't know well so I think both of my parents want to be cremated and like that kind of makes me sad but at the same time I mean I guess because because I've in in my family never <laughs> have dealt with someone who has been um cremated I mean, all my grandmothers what one of my grandmothers was cremated but I guess in like like for my person like I don't know I would expect someone to be laid out I, and I'm and I was saying I think maybe it was because my first like 
funeral or in like experiences were not really until I was in high school. Mm. So it's not like I like I, I don't remember as a kid having a bunch of wakes or funerals to go to and stuff like that. So it's just like really like, I don't know. It 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 really freaks me out. Like I remember when my grandmother passed a couple years ago. Um, R.I.P. No, no, because no. I was actually overseas when when my grand when that grandmother passed away, so I couldn't oh, even go to her funeral. Other grandmother, sorry. Other grandmother. Um, right before COVID, mm. and I I just remember yes, being like yes, yes, I yes, could yes. I feel like I could barely even look at like her her body presented just because it's just to me it's just weird like that part of like Catholicism and shit like that and open casket wake stuff i'm just like nah i've been to a lot of them growing up like and that was what i didn't at all yeah and it wasn't even necessarily like my personal family but like some family friends like you know we've i've I've been to a a a bunch of open casket um wakes and that's just kind of the expectation and so um my parents have both mentioned that like they're they want to be cremated they don't want to have an open casket casket wake and i'm like especially coming from my dad i'm like wow that's that's not like that I would have expected mm. you to been wanted to do that I mean obviously don't have their will and testament in, in front of me but like just recently talking to them I mean I don't know like I don't want to think about that right now because they're my parents but you know I guess yeah I guess I'm ready for it but not at the same time I don't know you know what I mean like yeah alright we're gonna go through this quick um, so at a young age he did see his grandfather pass away and I'm just gonna kind of go through it a little bit at the funeral quote he gave off a muffled energy as if his whole soul was trapped in the shell of dead flesh and silently screaming for help to escape I reveled in that energy secretly I found there the same pleasures that I felt when I looked at the sides of the garden of torture Mm. so in that funeral home I died and I was born again he met the reaper and the reaper became his companion and from then on, he would never be the same. He gets into black metal and death metal and stuff like that. But for him, death metal, the lyrics of, oh, yeah, murder, brutalization. <laughs> <laughs> That's death metal, right? To him, it was just a bunch of normal people trying to let others know that they're outcast. For him specifically, he is obsessed with death and he is the real deal. He would find himself in cemeteries at a young age. He spent most of his teenage years inside cemeteries. The uh, Pierre Lachaise Cemetery where Jim Morrison is buried. He would go into their crematoriums of all these cemeteries at night. He would spend hours there. He would meditate. He would meditate in these crematoriums by the dead bodies. He he just felt comfortable there. Quote, I felt their invisible presence, a muffled vibration of cries of suffering. It teleported him back to his phantasm days where he was the undertaker. That undertaker, unlike most of kids in America, that the undertaker scared and gave him nightmares. That undertaker became his confidant. He started reading these horror fanzines and these death metal fanzines and stuff like that. He started spending time in cemeteries. He says about one cemetery, he would spend all of his night there. Quote, I felt extremely good in this little crypt and sat down cross-legged, stretched out and leaned against the altar. I felt in the depths of my guts a benevolent presence while remembering the grim reaper who took me under his wings in the small funeral home 
home where my grandfather rested. At this point, he gets into Satanism. He finds that the devil, Lucifer, the Lord Satan, is his only friend. He starts worshiping in in the Louvre in Paris, which, Nicole, have you been there? The Louvre? Yes, I have. I have not. In the Louvre in Paris. I need to renew my passport. I've never been to France. In the Louvre in Paris, there is this statuette. It's very small, six inches. That's what she said. If I can, well. (laughs) Touche, Jen. That was a good one. I know. John wishes he thought of that one. If that's six (laughs) inches, then I feel fucking terrible. (laughs) Please. I'm sure you are more than average. Or are you measuring from the base? This is Pazuzu. (laughs) Oh, remember when we did that Pazuzu episode? Yes, that was a great one. A hoarder. Yeah. So Pazuzu, well, that guy's name was Pazuzu Algorod. This is the Pazuzu. He is the devil. He's tiny. He is the Assyrian devil. I don't think he's the devil, like the devil you think in Christianity. From what I've learned and what we're going to cover on Johnny Lama once I research it, Pazuzu was the oldest demon. So think about to like Lovecraft, but he talks about, he talks about these old gods, the old ones, you know, the great old ones. Pazuzu. Before Lucifer? Pazuzu was the first one here on earth. The old demon has been here forever type of thing. (laughs) Wolfie says, he's the perfect size to rest on my shoulder and whisper in my ear. (laughs) 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 Wolfie, you should, that's amazing. Wolfie, you should get like, you should get a devil and an angel there like on go. each shoulder or is that like a tattoo yeah like tattoo. have oh, we been talking cool. to her about tattoo ideas i'm gonna start my own tattoo shop what are you gonna call that it that means you need to be tatted <laughs> up like he never has- never go to a tattoo artist who does not have tattoos <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point it's yeah. like don't go to a chef if he ain't a little chubby you know what i mean mm. yeah yeah don't go to a prostitute if she doesn't have semen dripping oh out my of her god pers- what is wrong with you <laughs> i've read this book Uh, (laughs) What book? (laughs) This is all in your head, John. He would go to Louvre and pray to Pazuzu. I had for a long time set myself the goal of going to pray to it, just as pilgrims go to Lourdes or Lisieux. This emaciated evil icon touched me far more than the classic European representation of the prince of this world. He knew that he, Satan, had always watched over me. More than in my heart or brain, it was in my veins that I felt the presence of Pazuzu, the demon of pestilence, scourge of the human race. Mm. This guy is fucked up at 12 years old. Quote, I succumbed to the poisonous attractions of devil and death worship. I became a Satanist without ever listening to black metal in my life. And even before having read Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible, I was a demon worshiper. He didn't have access to all this stuff. He didn't know. He just knew his, he was just fascinated with death ever since his father brought home those photographs of those tortured people. Mm. In 1989, he was 17. January 24th, something big happened. Burn Bundy, burn. Ted Bundy was getting executed and he was so enthralled already with the serial culture. He would buy the new true crime books that are out, just like you assholes in live chat, like, give me more true crime. He would buy these photos with the shocking photos in the middle. I've got all the old true crime books are like that. Now it's eight shocking photos in the middle. He would you buy sound the- like you're advertising the books. Now 
around with photos. The most touting title shamelessly unveiled Polaroids of bound and gagged victims taken by the murderer before the killing. I had a difficult time hiding my erection when I when I brought these books back to the register to buy them. He started self-harming, not only self-harming, but drinking his own blood. He oh. would tear off his own scabs and quote, oh. play and quote, play with them under my tongue. He would drink his own blood. He went to watch a film called Rampage, which was based off Richard Trenton Chase, the Sacramento vampire, true crime killer. And in the theater during one scene, he started to have what is called the Stendhalsch syndrome, which is a real thing, which I looked up. It The Stendhalsch syndrome is basically when you go and you see a masterpiece or an artist work, a painting that, that just takes you over, takes your whole body over and you start having physical symptoms so you your heart rate speeds up you start sweating you start breathing heavily in this movie he started actually having a metallic taste in his mouth that metallic taste is what i'm talking about that is blood a lust for blood what he would call the quote vital fluid quote the taste on my tongue transported me to another state of consciousness where everything around me felt more real. I didn't even feel pain anymore. Crowded out by the carnal pleasures that the sight of my own blood brought me. He started thinking about fictional deaths. He wanted to shoot up at school. He wanted to be a mass killer. He wanted just to, to take all the girls that looked at him and all the popular girls and just brutalize them. Mm-hmm. And he started thinking about all of this stuff. Once at a, a girl at Palace Video looked at him kind of condescendingly when he brought all these horror movies to rent Hellraiser, Halloween. Later, when I came back to my room, I imagined myself invited to her home to see what other videos she had to show me. While she was sitting in an armchair taking advantage of her inattention, I would go behind her and thread a plastic bag over her head. Then I squeezed hard. Rita reared up like a horse and I sped the work of death by crushing her larynx with my hands. Her body gave way and softened. Her eyes stared lifelessly in the distance. I lowered her panties and penetrated her before her body became too stiff. So he's thinking this and he's a teenager. This is not good. This is not a routine thought of a teenager. I'm going to assume though. Yeah. Yeah. He started dubbing these compilations and beheading tapes that he would get sent from these weird subreddits or whatever before the internet was a big thing. He would get sent all these and and tape them and rewatch them over and over these scenes of beheading and strangled, strangled rape quote a bit like facial cum shots that can be found on you porn that's what he said about these beheading tapes and strangulations and rapes he dreamed of penetrating the warm bowels of his high school students he got interested in SM Hellraiser was a big movie for him if, if you don't know what that movie is and we did watch that. We did watch year. it. I love the fucking actor. I listened to all of his audiobooks. He does this thing called uh, Spine Chillers. His name is Doug Bradley. But Hellraiser is, how would you describe Hellraiser? It's about demons. Hellraiser has Pinhead. Pinhead is, he's white. Like his face is, you know, white powdered. And he's got these big needles going out of his head. That's Hellraiser. He became a sexual sadist, which means his libido is linked to extreme violence. Quote, I sometimes got hard by looking at the girls' asses at my high school or by smelling their perfume. But it was when I imagined myself pushing the tip of 
my knife into the hollow of the kidneys that I felt pre-seminal fluid oozing from my glands. Gross. I mean, this is what it is. What I know. I'm just. Do you, you may skip forward. No, I no. mean, I'm just like reacting with my face. So I don't have to say anything. One summer he goes and visit, visits his uncle. And that's where he starts first having sex with the, the neighbors. But he notices that he can't, he can't even stay hard inside a woman unless he's violent with her and pushing mm. her to death to so, death so he's got a problem he, the first time he loses his virginity he can't even maintain an erection because he just wants to choke her and kill her damn quote in the evening i went to bed and jerked off for an hour thinking about how i could fuck all of their holes by rearranging their limbs from trunk to trunk <laughs> Shit, this is terrible. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's fucking shit. awful. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, that's just fucking awful. Damn. This guy's still in prison, though. Good. Is he? He needs to die in prison. There's no way he only got six years. <laughs> What? What? I mean, he did say earlier that he wanted to interview him. So I was curious how that was going to happen. I mean, you can call into a prison. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Hello. This is the press speaking. <laughs> the press. Let me tell you about this guy. He is now an author, a painter, true crime writer under a different name, of course. He even launched the signature Bundildo, a sex toy for Ted Bundy fans. He also stole several toys. This guy's probably rich as fuck now. Oh, yeah. He's rich. She's got a lot of true crime books. <laughs> what what is his pen name? Probably Ryan Green. <laughs> I was gonna say that literally. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say Ryan Green. I swear to God. I mean, he did cover the uh, Marcio Pedro yeah, case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. I fucking Ryan can't. Green. James Patterson. <laughs> no, I, I swear, dude, uh, Brandon, check this out. I reached out to Jack Rosewood, which, if you're in a true crime reading, you know who that is. Is <laughs> a pseudonym, obviously. Yes. He's, he wrote me back and he was really nice, very nice guy. But he said, he said, I can't do an interview with you because, you know, I don't, this isn't my real name. <laughs> and I don't do, I've never done an interview. <laughs> So it could have been him. <laughs> Who fucking knows? <laughs> anyway. Damn. All right. Six years? I'm going to kind of move on a little bit because <laughs> there's a lot of ejaculation here. Let's just skip forward with all the semen scenes. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, like semen isn't my favorite thing. All right, let's talk about his employment. He was in the army for a very short time, which got him interested in guns. He was drafted into the army. In he France. In France. He didn't mind because, you know, he, he got to work around guns and he loved that. When he got Why out. Do, do, do men love guns because? of like the cocking motion and why do they call it cocking is it because why it's like a masculine think? thing like yeah. honest to god like men are so obsessed with themselves and their penises I just I mean like it's not that big of a deal like everything's the, a phallus it's like the ultimate thing though like the okay let's just keep keep, keep moving on this dick. is gonna take another year and a half to complete but this guess episode guess what you need a woman to Stop. make sure that you preserve life we're overpopulated we don't need oh my god can we keep, please keep going 
please, dear God. All right, I'm going to run through this. We'll never finish this episode. I'm going to run through this really quick. He was drafted 1992 as the Army. He only spent eight months there because he was drafted. So he, you know, he didn't get like um, discharged or whatever. He just, right. you know, got out. He discharged himself. Got it. After his time in the Army, he became obsessed with working in a morgue. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to be a mortician assistant. He started at the St. Vincent de Paul Hospital, but that hospital, which he will talk about in the book, what the morgue section was run by some an inbred family, from what he would say. Wait, what? And that hospital actually had a huge scandal with stolen fetuses. That's interesting because St. Vincent de Paul is a large Catholic organization. Oh, so is it really? It is. Oh, I have to do the story. They got they got in serious trouble for stolen uh, fetuses. Interesting, but I, I mean, or not next stolen, time. but uh, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll at, talk about it later, but not today. At twenty one years old, he's working in a toddler child morgue. Oh dear! A, oh, a literal chamber for dead babies. Don't like oh, it. Oh jeez. He loved it working there. That was the job for him. That why? Was, I'm afraid to ask that. And, and not all, I'm not. <laughs> I want to know why. He all, he also talks about in the morgue, and maybe you girls out there can tell me if this is true or not. But if you're a nurse, that is the you know the morgue is usually located at the bottom, like the the, the basement, base, the basement mm-hmm. with the toxic waste. Yes, I always think of Scrubs and Doctor Murphy. Yes, the nurses they they looked at these morgue workers and these morgue assistants, and they just get this ugh. Fuck, I want to just fuck these guys. The morgue assistant? So he's... Not me. The reason I'm saying that is he had sex with a lot of nurses in the morgue right by the dead bodies, right by the autopsy tables, right on top of the autopsy tables. No. The, these women just... It's this bestial thing. They just get so horny for these morgue assistants. I feel like that's a lie, but okay. So anyway, quote, two weeks before Halloween, here I was, a happy father of two beautiful fetuses that I was keeping inside a large box stored in the cellar. So he would steal these fetuses and display them in his apartment. And now he's a happy father. He was a happy father of two fetuses. Yeah. When police arrested him, the search warrant, and it didn't come out fully because they didn't want to shock the nation of France, but they found bones. They found fetuses in jars. They found limbs. It, it was a Jeffrey Dahmer type situation. They found all this stuff in his apartment. He had bones. They thought he was a serial killer. And not just because he has the word serial killer tattooed on his arms. They actually thought the bones that were his victims. He worked in a morgue. He would steal these. And I'm going to tell you what he so, was... Wait, but he had fetus, fetuses and he would say he was a father of if they were the unborn? I- no, he had two... You know, all right, think about Frankenstein because this is exactly what it is. The jar they're yellow liquid. The formaldehyde. F- formaldehyde. The fetuses are floating inside these jars. That's what he stole. He stole these jars. He worked in a toddler morgue. He had access to these jars. One day he just decided to put these jars in his bag and take them and display them in his apartment. He would take them out. He said in his book he would play with them like chicken wings almost. Kind of like moving their arms. One time one broke off. He, and he would say here the father of those. Yeah, he, he was ha- the happy 
father of, quote, two beautiful fetuses. I mean, this story's fucked. I mean, I don't know what you're going to say. This guy is fucked in the head. I don't want you to explain it. I just don't understand. And he is also out of prison. <laughs> the, the specimen was relatively large, and I estimated its growth to be of eight months. By what mystery of the afterlife, I don't know. One of his hands had detached from its arm, and it was floating on the surface. I picked it up and wrapped it in paper towel because I wanted it to be dry so I could wear it as a talisman around my neck. Wait, what the fuck? He started meditating. Oh, meditating is really good, guys. Really good. Yeah, sure. Breathe in. A little bit different in this situation, though. Breathe out. This he's, gives corpse pose a lot of new meaning in yoga. He's meditating and kind of releasing all that bad energy, albeit in, quote, front of two fetuses placed on each side of my baphomet plaque. Baphomet is the, the yeah. goat. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. you know what a baphomet is? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah, yeah, the yeah. goat. Uh, mm -hmm. What is it? Goat? Mm -hmm. Devil yeah. or whatever? Yeah. The horns and whatever. He From would child post to corpse pose, Brandon says. <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs> Fuck. Yo, bro, you would get. Okay. That was good. You would yeah, get fucking was. canceled. Yo. No, <laughs> let me hear you. No, no, no. no. Seriously? No, no. Seriously, no. what we're talking about. No, no, no. I'm cutting you off. He would write on a parchment paper, and he did this a lot. He would pledge allegiance to Bilal, Pazuzu, Ahriman, and Lord Satan. He would clench this paper and would cut himself. So the paper soaks in blood. And he asked Satan, Lord Satan, please, please let me have a full-time job in the morgue. And if you do, quote, and lo and behold, he did. In, in exchange to sacrifice the soul of several girls on the autopsy table, it would be so easy to take a girl that is horny for me because I work in the morgue, fuck her right there on the autopsy table and then cut her up and then mix her bones in with the other bones. No one would ever know to look there. My fantasy was to decapitate a nurse alive and feel her blood squirt down my throat. The thought made me hard and I masturbated in front of the altar until I came. My sperm landed on the pact on a candle and on one of the jars. I came out of the cellar with the feeling that my prayers had been heard. <laughs> So as a morgue assistant, he would have to autopsy, help autopsy with the doctors, you know, post-mortem, how did they die, yada, yada. In France at the time, it was required. And pretending a need to throw up my breakfast, I rushed into the restroom to relieve myself quickly, smiling upon the fact that I was doing the most beautiful job in the world. When I got out, I came across the coroner ring wringing his socks over the sink to extract brain juice without a, without a word he then placed them over a radiator to dry them and put them back later who was i to judge him after all i had just jerked off in the toilet after an autopsy Fucking nuts. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, let's talk about drinking blood. Mm -mm. Working in the morgue, he had access to blood. When they drained the blood of a cadaver, they put it into three different sections, different bags, if you will. There was a red blood cells only bag. There was a platelets bag and a plasma bag. He would, on average, be stealing two to three bags a week of the red blood cell bags, and he would place them in his refrigerator. Quote, sometimes. Sometimes 
I would open one up and suck that cold blood straight from the bag while watching a horror movie on TV like I was sipping a can of beer. I was so detached from reality that I did not even realize that this would probably freak out anyone who would witness it. Does this remind you a lot of Richard Trenton Chase? He yes. started blending up rabbits. We remember penis straws, rabbits, he blood, start, whatever. He was detached. This guy, Nico, he put it as you will. Why is he out of prison? Because he obviously has a mental illness. He is so fucking detached from reality. He is opening... opening but safe to walk around in society? He is opening up a bag of blood that he has stole from the morgue. And while watching TV, he's sipping it cold. It was stored in his refrigerator. He's just drinking it cold. He found that drinking it made him immensely powerful. He started working out and his muscles just bulged. It got me thinking, God damn. Nope. I mean, nope. fuck. Mm-mm. The autopsy room that he worked in was also a meat factory. Oh, Quote, no. I don't like that meat factory. Quote, pieces of meat are often found under the table and in the sink siphon. So he's already drinking the blood. And you got to remember, he's working in this morgue a lot of the, a lot of the times by himself during the weekends. No one's around. These, quote, pieces of meat are found under the table and in the sink siphon. You know, the medical examiner comes in there and cuts them up, puts the big Y shape in their chest, takes out the organs, replaces it with newspaper type of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Meat gets everywhere. Human meat. Gross. Quote, pieces of meat are often found under the table and in the sink siphon. So he started to eat it. Eat it raw. He would cut slivers of it. He would tell psychiatrists that the corpses on the table started ordering him to consume their meat. This is fucked. Yeah, I would say Seriously. So. He likens this to Christ during communion. What does Christ do? He drinks blood and eats human flesh. What's so different from... Actually doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I cut thin and long slices from which I scratched the excess rind off. Sometimes the slices looked like juicy steaks and I would bite into them without bothering to cook them beforehand in order to fill the consistency of the cold flesh between my teeth. I caressed the fibers with my tongue before slowly chewing this human meat. This systematically sparked a sexual desire that I could have relieved by masturbating over the open wound of the person that I was eating bits from. are you even listening to this? This is fucking terrible. I am. I think she's. I think she's blacked out at this point. Christ is not the cannibal because says that he he is not the cannibal. He would be eating himself. Correct. He is saying this is my body. This is my blood. He is not saying that he is eating his own body and he is eating. His own oh, blood. just everyone Kinda. else. His disciples are cannibals. Kinda. <laughs> The consumption of red blood cells and eating human meat was resulted in a considerable increase in muscle strength when he was in prison for his 10 years in prison. Well, no, excuse me. Six. Six years in prison. When he was in prison for six years, he used his muscles, which were bigger than his thighs. His biceps were bigger than his thighs. No one's going to fuck with this guy. No one's going to fuck with him. Those, quote, legendary proportions came from drinking these red red blood cells to legendary proportions. And then he started to steal the urns. It was, you know, there was a crematorium. He started to steal the, to steal the urns and some of the powder, the grinded up human, the grinded up calcium that once was a human. He started to put it into protein shakes. He would call them the cannibal shakes. 
the cannibal shape. the consumption of human ashes with protein made his muscles just bulge. When I waited too long to indulge in my cannibal meals, I experienced a decline in shape that I couldn't explain otherwise. I had begun to cook the pieces of meat that I had cut from the dead. I seasoned them with with salt and pepper and accompanied them with brown potatoes and béarnaise sauce. If I had to compare the taste to that of another animal, I would choose horse meat, fibrous with a pinch of iron, hard to chew with a very pronounced sweet aroma. The chewing and this this is important. If you, if you watch the movie Silence of the Lambs, most importantly the the TV show Hannibal because they really dive into this. When you see Anthony Hopkins or the guy that played Hannibal in the show, he doesn't rush his dinner. He doesn't just, well, I'm gobbling it down. He, he tastes the meat. It's succulent. It goes down his throat. As a cannibal, what I found out in this book, if you're eating the human meat, you want you want that feeling to last. It goes in between your teeth. The blood soaks in between your teeth and it gives you some sort of power. The chewing was the most important thing. It puts them in a, a trance-like state. Quote, by feeding on humans, I was leaving mankind for good and I was rising far above it, end quote. That is a badass quote. So that is pretty much the story, admitting a lot of things that would probably piss y'all off. I think I think we were pissed off enough this episode. Although. I would agree. But I will say to end this up, Article 122-1, Paragraph 2 of the French Penal Code says, quote, a person who has affected at the time of the facts by a mental or neuropsychic disorder, having impaired his judgment or hindered the control of his acts, remains punishable. But the court must take into account that mitigating circumstance when determining a sentence. So. So when you're approaching a jury, he got 12 years, but two years were he already served mm. after getting arrested. So right. ten, 10 years max. But then 10 years was was down to six years because of good behavior. So six years, you know, six or seven, eight years, whatever. Not not the full thing. But he was out relatively quick for the murder. Right. But in his book, quote, when you are facing a murder trial, it's better to sound like a schizophrenic patient curable with clear promising than to be viewed as the next Jack the Ripper. So. So he knows he gained the system. He did gain the system and he's out. And he is yeah, he's proud of that. If your true crime podcast that you listen to more than us has not covered this story then they fucking suck balls. <laughs> this shit is crazy. Is it not? This guy is fucked. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he, and, uh, and I think he should still be in jail. Agreed. So. That's the penal system. That's the penal system. <laughs> Holy shit. If you are still on here right now, thank you so much. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.